Welcome to the Dropship Podcast, where you'll learn how to build and grow a high-ticket dropshipping business and hear stories from successful e-commerce entrepreneurs. Let's kick this thing off. Hey, welcome to the Dropship Podcast. Due to technical difficulties, uh, we are replaying a Patreon episode here this week. So if you're not a Patreon member, this will be new to you. This is episode 10 from our Patreon. Again, you can find that at patreon.com forward slash dropship podcast. And this episode is John and I talking all about how to be different, how to make your store different. Tons of value in here, so I hope you enjoy it. And hopefully our technical difficulties are solved and we're back to regularly scheduled programming next week. But enjoy this free episode from our Patreon, How to Be Different. Boom, man. Double digits. Episode number 10. Uh, I'm, I'm pumped. Like, we kind of did this on a whim, and here we are. And in, in 10 episodes in, uh, you know, a decent little following behind us and very engaged. Uh, I'm pumped to be here for, for 10 episodes in, John. Absolutely. What are you talking about today, Benny? How to be different. How to be different. Yeah, I'm trying to find your post exactly. So you put out a video in your uh, – is that is that the group for your course members or, or like just like a general group? Uh, I think the way you saw it was in, in the Dropship Tribe, which is just like a free um, public Facebook group I have, which I've had for a couple of years now, maybe more. Um, just, you know, stuff about dropshipping, hard to get dropshipping at this point. Um, I haven't posted that video anywhere else yet. I will, but uh, I haven't at this point. But um, yeah, it's just a, a little video I did. I think at, at the time that I recorded, I'd just been on the phone with uh, a client um and uh, or maybe even a couple of clients in the same day who i had the same conversation with uh they were high ticket drop shipping of course as as most of mine are and uh we were talking about you know they were kind of feeling like they were struggling a bit with uh converting their traffic at the rate they'd like to and you know we'd been looking at their site and some of the things they were doing and um uh, one of the part of the conversation I was having with them about was like asking, posing them the question if customers are seeing your business, you know, how are they getting a, like, how are they setting you apart from your competition? Um, and, and the reason I ask that question a lot, and I, I go on about this stuff a lot, like all the time, one of the sort of basic concepts of in marketing, marketing, anything, it's not just e-commerce, it's anything. You go back and read some of those, old marketing books that we talked about on a previous episode when we talked about our favorite books. One of the, one of the key things they say is you want to sell a lot of stuff. You have to have unique elements to what you're putting in front of people, right? Like it's a must have, you know, any, any, any of the, you know, marketing legends out there you, you, you could talk to would tell you that, you know, Seth Godin wrote books about it, for example. And um, the trouble is with high ticket drop shipping is that, you in some ways you have less opportunity to be unique primarily because you don't have you know at least in the beginning certainly any control over your products right like it's not your products that are unique to you i mean sometimes you might luck out and get an exclusive supply deal from a from a from a <clears throat> supplier but generally speaking you're selling the same product as maybe 5 10 15 other people online who are marketing in the spaces that you are. Um, and so 
you can't rely on like if you if you're a D2C brand or something, you can say, well, our product's got some unique qualities to it, and that's why you should buy from us. And you can kind of rest on that a little bit. But when you're dropshipping, you can't say that. You can't say our product's unique to us. You can't buy it anywhere else. Um, and it's got these unique benefits or whatever. So you've got to you've got to try a little bit harder to give the customer uh, a unique and and sort of memorable experience. And and that's what it's about. It's like um, when the customer's got choice of of different places to buy the product. Usually, particularly in the US as well, the price is generally going to be the same on the product between all of the retailers. So you've got to ask yourself the question: Why is somebody buying from me? And if you can't answer that, then guess who else isn't able to answer that? Your customers, right? They're, they're going to be saying like, they're looking at your business and going, well, why should I buy from this business? Why would I? And not, not necessarily they're consciously asking that question, but it happens in their subconscious. And if somebody else in your market is doing a better job of that, of, of giving the customer a sense of, them being different or the market leader or something like that, then that's where the sales are going. You might be getting the clicks and the traffic and all that sort of thing. And a lot of those people are buying somewhere, but they just ain't buying from you. And often with high ticket dropshipping, that's what it comes down to. It comes down to how are you persuading people to buy from you? Like how are you like selling your business to people essentially? And I think a lot of high ticket dropshippers forget to do that. They get stuck in the thinking that, um, you know, when people are buying things, it's all about the product and it's only about the product. And it is primarily about the product because that's the, that's the vehicle for the solution that the customer is looking for. But where they get it from is still important and it is still a decision they have to make. It's kind of when you're talking about products that are sold through multiple avenues, it's actually the last, I believe it's the last decision the customer makes. They decide to buy the product before they decide who to buy it from, if it's a product they can get from multiple sources. Um, and so that's why this stuff, talking to people about, you know, what, what, how are you doing things differently in your business is, is very important to me. That's well, tough, right? Hence, like, I, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure you've yeah. done your research on AdWords and, you know, try to see where you show up uh, in the Google shopping nine box window. And, and there's, you know, eight pictures of the, the exact same picture. Um, it's difficult to be different in the way I think I was taught how to acquire customers for a drop shipping business. Oh yeah. Look, honestly, honestly, the, the existing education out there online on this as, as far as high ticket drop shipping goes is rubbish or non-existent. My, I'm the same. Like I was kind of taught to do the same as what everybody else does. That's literally it. Like your website's going to look like everybody else's website. You're going to market in the same place that everybody else markets. And that's not to say you can't, that like there's a fine line here, like modeling behaviors is, is okay. I mean, obviously that's a, that's a very successful strategy to growing your business or getting started in business or whatever, like modeling somebody else who's successful. You know, I mean, that's a good thing to do, but you still have to do it in your own way, right? And I think the, board, the line gets crossed a bit in high ticket dropshipping with a lot of people where they take that approach too far um, and they end up looking and feeling sort of the same, exactly the same as everybody else. Um, and, you know, whether that's with what they're saying on their website 
or whether that's where they're doing their marketing. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of what you're told to do. Yeah, I think it's a it's an okay place to start, especially if you've never done anything entrepreneurial. Uh, just go copy someone, literally, and get started. Um, but at some point, you really got to think about changing, and and it's usually you know once you start making a couple sales. Uh, I do think it, it's it's viable to you know hack your way in the beginning and 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 get started, and and maybe you don't need to think about a lot of this stuff, but. Um, very, very, very early in your journey, you better start thinking about all this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. For me, it, it does. I mean, it does need to happen pretty early on. I mean, what I see a lot is, yeah, people getting started. Um, and you're right. I mean, most people who get started in high ticket dropshipping, they're going to follow somebody else's process for doing that. Whether that's mine or some other, some other program out there or whatever, they're going to follow something. And so, yeah, what they do initially is going to be the same as what everybody else who did that has done right but what what you see is people make start making their first sales and then they really start to struggle with converting traffic um and i think it's more of a problem like in 2021 as we're recording right now than it was when you or i started right i mean things things are different online now and in e-commerce than they were in 2014 for example um and people really start, you know, this this is like one of the first, I think, conversion rate optimization exercises you should go through um, with your business is, is like asking yourself the simple question, like, what, what am I doing differently to everybody else? You know, how am I, how am I talking about my company differently to everybody else? Is there opportunities for me to do my marketing different to other people? Are there, are there holes in in this in in the market i exist in that other companies aren't taking advantage of um you know can i give my customers a an experience that is different to my competitors um and and i think what you really have to do you know you can't really answer a lot of those questions firstly until you've actually done the research into your competition so once again i think something a lot of people miss when they get into high ticket dropshipping is actually taking a deep look at what their primary competitors are doing. Like, what are they saying on their websites about their business? Where are they doing their marketing? Where are they getting their traffic from? Um, what are they offering to their customers? What additional value do they offer? Um, what does their, uh, you know, what do this, does their email marketing look like, for example? A great way to tell what they're saying to their customers is to sign up for all their, every email list you can find. You know, create a Gmail account and go sign up for all those email lists. Um, you know, go through their abandoned checkout sequences. Uh, you know, pick up the phone and pretend to be a customer and call them. Right? Do they even answer their phone in the first place? Um, you know, you do all sorts of things. Um, and once you've done that and map it out, so like I'll put all that stuff in a spreadsheet. I've got a spreadsheet. It asks questions about my competition and I'll go through and track that for all of my competitors. And then I can look at that and say, okay, so where do I see there being opportunities in this market for me to do something different to these guys or to say something different on my website, for example. And so the answer to this isn't the same. There's no one size fits all answer for how you be different. The right answer is you need to look at the market you exist in and find where you can be different because it's going to be different for, you know, 
different different high ticket dropshipping businesses, the answer to this is going to be different. There's no one size fits all answer, um, which is probably a good thing because that's when people start to think when they can't get an answer fed to them. You are bucketing this in places I never have. So sometimes you you talk about things and I'm and and I I get a little lost of like where where are you trying to go here and then. I'll throw some ideas at you and you'll be like, yeah, kind of like that. And then you'll, like, you'll shift to a different direction. And that, that's how this call began. Like we, we started talking and I was like, what did you mean by that? Uh, is there a bunch of examples we can give? And, um, and I never really thought of like everything we're going to talk about today. I never really thought about some of this as conversion rate optimization. Like that never crossed my mind. You like typically the first thing that probably pops into most people's mind when they think of conversion rate optimization is like changing the color of their add to cart button. And I, and I, and I don't like, I think these are like two different ends of the spectrum in my mind, but I never, I had never gone your way and, and thought about um, all of this as conversion rate optimization. I don't know if I ever had a bucket for it, but I definitely didn't put it in that one. Uh, dude, for me, this is the conversion rate optimization. This is the biggest stuff you can do in conversion rate optimization. Yes. You can do those other small things like, can I move this widget here on my site or can I add this color here or blah, blah, blah. Sure, you can do all of those things. And like undoubtedly, sometimes those things can change a conversion rate by, you know, a 1% conversion rate. They might increase it by 5%, which isn't giving you a 5% conversion rate. It's marginally ticking it up. But with the answer, when you're high ticket drop shipping, right? The answer... If, and you're struggling to make sales or a conversion rate that you feel is, is a good one, you need to be profitable. The answer is almost always going to be because people are buying the products from somebody else because they prefer to. And it's not going to be the color of your add to cart button that's doing that. Right? It's going to be because they like the other business better than yours at that point for some reason. And so your job is basically to put your detective hat on and work out why that is. Now, I'm not going to pretend that's easy, particularly if you're somebody who's doing online marketing for the first time, because honestly, what the hell do you know? Not much. So on, sometimes you need to get help with this. Right? And this is where it pays to have a mentor or someone with a bit more experience that can look through what you're doing and actually guide you through some of that process. Um, but this, this is everything in conversion rate optimization. And, I, and in the beginning, I didn't know any of this either. Right, I actually picked this up from dudes who are like e experts on what's known as the offer, the marketing offer. So guys like Todd Brown, um, who consults like people like you know Russell Brunson, Tony Robbins on making offers. Right. So when I say offer, a lot of people misunderstand that and they think, are you talking about a discount offer or giving somebody a free gift? No, your offer. In, like in marketing, your offer is the totality of what you put in front of a customer. It's your offer to purchase. It's everything that you're putting in front of them to persuade them to buy from you, right? So it's like the price of your product, the nature of like the, the benefits of your product, your shipping, your risk reversal, your customer service. That's your offer to your customers. When somebody buys from you, they're not just buying the product. They're buying all of your terms and conditions and how you're going to look after them as a customer along with it. And you better believe customers think about that when they buy a product. They're not just thinking about, is this a good product? They're thinking about, is this company going to shaft me if something goes wrong? Like people think about this. 
And so if you don't put any thought into those other things that, that you're offering people when they purchase from you, and once again, your competitors have put more thought into that, then your conversion rate will suffer. And you can't just say, and, and elements of what you say in your offer have to be unique, or at least they have to have the perception of being unique, which is taking it even an advanced level further. Um, but like the, the, the classic example is, right? If everybody in your market says they do free shipping, like I'll ask people, what's your unique selling proposition? And the first thing people always say is, oh, we do free shipping. I go, uh-huh. Does everybody else in your market do free shipping? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so how is that unique? That's not a unique selling proposition. That's a, that's a selling proposition. The key bit of the USP is the U at the start. It's not a USP if it's a copy of everybody else's. It's meaningless. Like it literally is having free shipping when everybody else does is not a reason why people are buying from you. If you didn't have free shipping, it might be a reason why people wouldn't buy from you, but it's not a plus. It's not increasing your value when everyone else they see also has free shipping. You're just meeting the minimum at that point. So you've got to do more than that. You've got to find other ways that you can, you know, do things different. I think we've broken this down into like sections of how you can be different. Um, and all of them yeah. are a, a bit different. Some of them uh, involve, you know, the front end, some of them involve the back end, and some of them involve your marketing, your acquisition as well. Mm -hmm. uh, where do you want to start, yeah. John? Well, look, I mean, I, I, you know, already talked a little bit about the front end, like what, what you're putting in front of people. Um, and look, this stuff, like the, the bit about persuading people why to buy from you, your company, like you've got to sell your company as well as your product. Um, now, this is, I'm not going to pretend that this is particularly easy for high ticket drop shipping, right? This is probably one of the most difficult e-commerce businesses to do this for. Um, but it is something you have to do. Now, I'll put a couple of little advanced bits on it, right? So if you're sitting there going, yeah, but John, everybody does this in my market and everybody does that and I want to do those things. So it's really hard for me to find opportunities with my offer to be different. Well, you can come at it a couple of, you can do a couple of things. Even if your offer is largely the same, what's also important is how you communicate it to people. So just because, you know, a classic example I'll see is if we talk about returns, right? And I know every high ticket dropship is going to shudder when we talk about returns, but nevertheless, it's important, right? Um, I learned this in my very first business. Um, and I think this might be a story we've talked about before. I don't know. But anyway, back then, like a lot of my competitors, like they had a returns policy, but it was really sort of hidden on their site, right? Like it was down in, you could find it down in the footer, you know, and then it would be this big page with like really tiny font. And it was all one long paragraph. You couldn't really read it <laughs> sort of thing. So it was really hidden, right? Now, risk reversal, which is what returns falls under, that's part of your offer. Now, most of my competitors was totally hidden on your site, on their sites. Like you wouldn't see, you wouldn't know about it. They didn't talk about it anywhere. And so from a customer's perspective, if the customer doesn't see it, it doesn't exist, right? So this is, this is about perception. What your customer perceives is everything, right? It doesn't matter what's the reality and what's the truth. At the point, at point of your customer making a purchase, what they perceive to be the truth is everything. And that's not to suggest that you need to lie or 
trick your customer into perceiving something else. But if you hide something on your site, it's really hard to access. Nobody goes looking for it. And 10% of your website visitors look at your footer. So if something's in your footer, 90% of people who visit your site have never seen that thing. Um, then it doesn't exist for that particular customer at that point in time. Whereas if you put it in a prominent page, prominent place on all of your pages so people can see it, then it is. They, they know it exists. It's there. And so if you're the only person that's doing that, then you are perceived to be the only person that's offering that. And so what I did on my first site was I made it my returns policy really prominent on my site and I gave it a name, a unique name in the market. Um, and what that meant was that customers perceived my approach to returns and risk reversal to be unique compared to my competitors, right? Who for a lot of them, they would have thought, well, I don't really have anything on that because I don't see it and I can't find it. Uh, whereas for me, you, it would be one of the first things you saw on the product page was that you get this offer of this particular returns policy if you're not happy with your product, right? And that made me a lot of extra sales. Um, and it changed a lot of things about the profitability of that business just by doing that one thing. So that's kind of where you can take that. Even if you're struggling to make your selling proposition unique, Sometimes just the way you communicate it to your customers and the way you position it on your website, if you can find ways to even just do that differently, you can give yourself the perception of being unique, which is all that matters. So that's probably taking that stuff a little bit to a little bit of a really advanced marketing stage. And that's what you do in an advanced market where people, where your competitors have been through a you know, a lot and done a lot of work on this space. It's, it's about how you present things rather than necessarily about them being in reality different. Yeah, I think people can go over the top here, John. Like my brain immediately goes to, uh, you know, your favorite theme, the shop device theme and like the, the, the four, you know, buttons. They're not buttons, but they're like, you know, circles. That, like you can go over the top with like hacky stuff, uh, in my opinion, whereas like, if you look at your offer as like letting your customer know that you're always going to take care of them, no matter what, um, think about like Amazon, right? Like I would assume all the Americans listening here have a prime membership. And like, if something shows up wrong, you just tell Amazon and they just give you your money back immediately. Right. Uh, or, you know, they'll, they'll fix the problem because they're, they're customer first. Right. And so I'm sure there's people listening who are like, yeah, fuck. But if I took a return on a $2,000 item, you know, then I might not, uh, you know, I might lose half my profit or all my profit for that month. It's worth it in the end. Like it's totally worth mm. it. In the end. You always like take care of your customers and always do the right thing. Uh, and so this is just one example of it. And I, I, I didn't want people to get overboard with the, you know, uh, I'm try I was trying to pull up a website while we were talking here of like free shipping, buy safe guarantee, make a fee secure, uh, you know, like trust guard. Like, uh, there's like a million things and I can't find a shop to my site to find all the little widgets, but, um, it's easy to go. Yeah. Oh, it, it is. And, and a lot of those things, I think the the thing that I'd get people to remember is whatever those things are for your business, like you don't even need to have five of them or something. You could just be one thing, one thing that you can find that you can do different, that you want to that you want to really focus your customers into, or it could be two or three or something. What I would say is they need to be tangible. For it to really have an effect, it needs to offer a tangible benefit to your customer. So like a returns policy, that's a tangible benefit. 
Free shipping is a tangible benefit. Um, 100% satisfaction guarantee is not a tangible benefit. How can you guarantee somebody's satisfaction when you don't know what it is before you've ever spoken to them? You might have customers you can never satisfy, no matter what you do. So don't guarantee somebody's satisfaction. That doesn't mean anything. That's fluff. That's marketing fluff. So that's meaningless. Don't do that. Don't do those sort of things. Um, make it tangible and it will work. But if it's not, you might think it feels nice and warm and fuzzy for you, but for a customer, they're not really that impressed by that. It's, it's the stuff. It's like, it's like saying, using the, the line that my products are high quality to sell your products. Well, duh, of course you're going to say that. Like what, what seller is going to say my products are shit quality? Buy them. You know, so, you know, customers have in some ways some level of sophistication when it comes to seeing through these sort of things. Um, so the more you can make them actually deliver a tangible benefit that the customer can recognize, the more successful they'll be. I'd like to hear some other other things that you think of right there, John. Like it's easy to say, and there was even a comment on your video of like, you know, free gift with purchase. I think that um, is something that's done a lot across high ticket dropshipping stores of like, uh, you know, uh, it, sell wine coolers, yeah. give away like a set of wine glasses. Uh, yep. Uh, and look, but there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, that's like, if you look, like I said, if you went back to your competition and you'd done an analysis of them and you saw that nobody's giving a free gift of that is actually valuable and not just a piece of shit, um, then sure, that can be part of your offer, offering a free gift. It's additional value. If it actually is something that it doesn't have to be expensive, but something that can actually deliver your customers some sort of value that they're going to appreciate, that they're going to use right sure yeah, this that is, can be part of your offer right? this is where i would think outside the box i do want you to add some more but this is where i would think outside the box right so like my friend brian uh he was on my podcast he owns astroflave.com they sell protein powders and pre-workouts if i was selling gym equipment i would reach out to someone like brian and say i want to i want to ship every single one of my customers one of your boxes yeah. uh like a gift bag full of your stuff they're going to do it for free and they're going to probably throw an affiliate link in there for you uh, because they want to acquire customers. And, and so you can build like real relationships in the marketplace to, to add real value to your customers. Not like, like the example I saw is it, it's actually from one of the gurus out there, uh, with the four wine glasses. Like, I think that's a terrible fucking idea. That's, that's garbage to go with your wine cooler. Um, you know, what could you give that's real value there? What, 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 what I'm trying mm. to think through, like, I, I don't know shit about wine, so it's probably going to be a bad idea, but I've ordered from like East Bay. I've ordered Nike shoes from there and gotten like, uh, free wine vouchers from different wine brands and things like that. And so like, yeah. uh, I, I, that that's way more valuable than a plain Jane four pack of, of wine glasses. And so how can you be different and add real value when you're going to do this and not just find something hacky off Amazon for $4 that you can drop ship them? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you do have to think about it a little bit and that's a good example, like the wine, the wine glasses, right? So, I mean, I, I mean, you know, I got a lot of wine. I don't, I've got a lot of wine I don't drink because I don't drink much anymore at the moment, but my wife does. And I used to in the past, like, believe me, if I'm somebody who's shelling out for a $3,000 wine cooler or something, I've got nicer wine glasses already than you're going to send me. I'm not sitting here going, I need more wine glasses, right? So yeah, you're right. That gift doesn't really match the, um, you know, the, the, where the customer's at. 
in terms of something they're going to consider to be valuable. Like you're not selling expensive wine coolers to some 21 year old who's just moved out of his parents' house and he doesn't have any glasses yet. That's not your target customer. Your target customer is somebody who's already passionate about wine and they're going to have very nice crystal wine glasses. So you selling them some cheapies as a free upsell or a free gift, it's not really going to light them up, right? They're not going to go, oh, that's actually exciting. They're going to go, great, more crap I've got to put in the corner or chuck in the bin. Um, so yeah, you have to think about it. Oh, look, I think the partnerships thing that you mentioned, finding, so if, if you're a high ticket dropshipper, if you can find sort of um, other, not dropshipping businesses, but like maybe direct to customer businesses, uh, they've got their own products, their own brand, their own products, that they're looking to grow and they can usually, if they're low ticket products, easily afford to give you free samples and all sorts of things or just, you know, the, the first, you know, free product, not free, but like products at a really low cost, right? Um, then, you know, they want to get their brand in. You let them put their branded products out to your customer and their brand. That's what they want. They want to get their brand in front of people in their market more than anything. Um, that's a great opportunity. So that, that, that's a really good idea. And yeah, you got to think about that a bit more and do some investigation into what's available in your market. But um, that, that's a really good idea. Look, I mean, you can think about, and once again, this may not be an option for everybody, but um, you know, can you put together some sort of you know, information product for your customers, you know, like a digital product? Um, or could you partner up with somebody who has a digital product that, um, you know, they could get you access to at a reasonable price that you could put your, uh, your customers into for free? Once again, the person with a digital product gets a new customer that they can upsell to um, and you get something of value you can push on, you know? I mean, there's, there's all sorts of things, you know? Uh, but the main thing is like, you just got to think about it's got to be something that's actually useful. And for God's sake, I've seen this, people offering free gifts that you have to opt into. I see this all the time. High ticket dropships, they're like, it's a free gift, but you've got to click a checkbox to get it on the product page. And I'm like, that's, you know, that's not a free gift, right? Like, like if you're going to give people at market a free gift, just give it to people. Don't make them opt into it. It's so silly. Anyway, um, yeah, my brain is just spinning over here. So anyone listening who has a uh, like a pets, uh, if you're a pet dropshipper and you have like all the the big pet products, uh, I'll literally be this person for you. I would love to send my supplements with every single order of yours, and I'll do it for free. Uh, literally for every single order you have, just tell me whether it's a dog or a cat uh, order, and I would I would love to like get my bottle like my trial bottles in the hands of, of dog owners uh because the shit fucking works right and like as soon as they they try it and it works they're gonna be my customer and so uh, i'm a prime example of like this would be fantastic yeah and there are guys there are tons of business e-commerce businesses out there like bands they're not necessarily they have a like the mindset particularly when you when you're doing your own product and it's a lower ticket product the mindset to their mindset to growth is different to yours as a high ticket drop shipper so they're not going to think twice about getting you access to their product for free or for a super low cost if it means people that aren't already using their product are going to start using their product because it might be uh, a, like a, a you know a, a just like what's the word a, a product that has to be bought you know very frequently. 
So they're going to get it into your customer's hands for free the first time because they know they've got a great product and people are going to come back and buy from them again in the future. And so you can use that to your advantage. Um, you just got to do a bit of research, look around, see what's out there. Think about what, what are the things that your customers need along, that they can use to you know, fulfill whatever the passion is or whatever that they're, that they're doing with your product and what, what can go along with that. And then go and find people who make that product. Yeah, I think Sell it's that consumable or digital is the key. And and really, yeah. like, beyond thinking of somebody else in digital, uh, think about yourself. Like, I've been part of companies where it totally makes sense to send training along with the product. Like, here's how to use the product even better. Um, and then, like, uh, I've been in, in uh, markets where it's a hobby um, and people want to get better at the hobby, right? And so, like, if you can give them free yeah. content uh, that – helps them use the tool a whole lot better uh, that leads them into paid content uh, where you can teach them things um, 100% margins in that business. Uh, I think that's that that would interest you. Uh, that's where I would lean to, but you can definitely get started uh, using other people's products out of the gate. Yeah. What yeah, else do you have, John? I'm, I'm, I'm curious, like on the offer side of things, like what else, what else do you typically see or, or, you know, what, what's John's forte to make sure it gets added to businesses he works with? Uh, look, for me, it's very much around, well, like I say, it all starts with what's happening in that particular market at, 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 at that point in time. For me though, I do focus a lot around either the additional value that you can add onto an order, which is what we've just been talking about and, and opportunities to do that, or the risk reversal side of things. Usually because that's where I see the most opportunity most frequently in most markets. So, um, uh, and how people deal with that. So, you know, and, and that, that largely comes down to how people deal with um, deal with returns and particularly in markets where the customer may have um, you know if you're selling a product that has to be a certain size or you know people might have difficulty um, discerning certain things about the features of the products online just because they can't actually physically see the thing um, or touch it or feel it or whatever, then it, it actually is a big deal for them. And, you know, I see a lot of, I think there's a lot of fear around this stuff. And look, I mean, I'm not saying that wrongly that's right or wrong. I mean, uh, you know, I, I can understand why people are fearful of things like return policies and stuff like that. But, you know, if every single marketer that I've ever listened to that's made, you know, tens or hundreds of millions of dollars online says you got to have some level of risk reversal or you're not going to sell anything like that. That's it's a, it's a, like dudes like Jay Abrahams, like all these massive marketing guys, they talk about it. It's like one of their basic things. So that always makes me think about it. And I see that as always being an area for of opportunity. Um, and yes, you're taking on risk. That's why it's called risk reversal. That's the point. You can't say to your customer, hey, dude, spend $5,000 with me and accept all the risk in the sale. Like, why would somebody do that? Why would, people are risk averse. Your customers are risk averse. The average person on the street is totally risk averse. 
That's why they're the average person on the street, right? You're an entrepreneur. You're supposed to be open to risk or more open to risk at least than the average person out there. And that's why you are the person who should get the reward, right? Or part of the reason why. Um, and so I see people having like these returns policies like, oh yeah, you can return stuff, but then you're going to pay for all the return shipping and we're going to slap you with a 35% restocking fee and then some other thing hoop you've got to jump through. And it's like, like what the fuck? What's the restocking fee for in the first place? You're not getting charged that. Most of the time you're not getting charged that. Most suppliers do not charge you a restocking fee. Um, so if somebody's bought a $5,000 product, you're going to charge them 35% of that just for sending it back plus the shipping. It's not a returns policy. I'm sorry. You're lying to yourself. Um, and you're stealing off your customers while you're at it. That's frankly what that is. And I tell people that. And I'll tell anybody that. If you've got a restocking fee that your supplier doesn't charge, I believe that's theft. You're a bum. Fix it. Take it off. How do you really I'm not sorry. Like I'm not sorry if that offends you. <laughs> I'm not sorry if that offends you. It's 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 as bad as lying to your customers. I think it like it's it it. A lot of people have short term thinking, and they're again running away from pain or, or running towards pleasure when they start this business. And I know I was right, and so um, I I legitimately could not afford to lose thousands of dollars in the beginning of the business. And so, um, you know, if, if I wasn't going to eat that cost nowadays, I would say I would honestly, I'd consider eating that cost from the supplier, um, just to do the right thing and think long-term and know that, you know, I'm going to be in this business for 10, 15, 20, I'm going to be in business for as long as I can think and in this business, at least for years. Right. And so just always do the right thing. Yeah. But even then most supplies don't charge that in the first place. Like we've, signed up with hundreds of suppliers over the last 12 months for various projects. Most don't even have it anyway. Um, so like I said, maybe if you actually are faced with that fact, it might be realistic, but for most people, it's not, they're just doing it because somebody told them to do it or they saw it in some course they went through or something like that. Not actually because they've even thought about it. Um, and yeah, look, I mean, sometimes I'm not going to pretend like, Returns, they suck, sure. But just because you have a returns policy doesn't mean that people are going to return stuff, right? So think about it. What, like people are like, oh, but if I make my returns policy more easy to access, then heaps of people are going to return things. I, the psychology behind that is wrong. Why would they? Do you honestly think people sit there on their computer going, oh, yeah, I'm going to buy this thing just so I can return it? Not really, no. Like people buy things, majority, the 99% of people buy things because they have a problem they're trying to solve and your product is the solution to that problem. They want the solution. That's why they're buying, right? So why would they be returning it? They're going to return it if there's something wrong with it, fine. If your website misrepresented the product and they didn't understand it, once again, that's your fault. Um or sometimes they, they change their mind. But that's, that's honestly like a really smart... I mean, and I've done this. I've done 100% free returns, no time limit attached. I pay for the shipping back, no other costs or anything. What Did I have a higher return rate? Slightly. Did I make a lot more sales? Heck yeah. 
Well, John, I'm gonna I'm gonna take you down off your soapbox and <laughs> give, I'm gonna give a couple more actual ideas here. Um, so you wrote on this sheet like how it's presented, and I've just been sitting here like mulling on it. Uh, here's an easy uh, easy win, or possibly even a couple of easy wins here. Number one, it like go into your Shopify analytics, uh, and you probably know this off the top of your head anyway. But go look if you've sold a product more than a couple times, go buy one and send it to yourself, and go like take lifestyle photos, go hire a photographer for half a day, a couple hundred bucks, uh, and, and, you know, an hour or two even, uh, and, and go get actual, like real photos that you took on your website. So you have unique content on your website, take a few videos of it in action if you can, um, so that you can use them for remarketing or in your content, uh, and just present yourself differently than, anyone else in your market. And so you can go get those first couple sales pretty easily using your manufacturer's photos. But, uh, I promise you, you will sell more if you go get unique photography and videos. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The other one is yep. like speaking to your, to, to your person. And I think we kind of, you know, uh, harped on this in a different episode but like if if your if your product page looks the same as your manufacturer's product page uh it looks the same as your competitor's product page and has the same bullet points and the same headlines um that's not compelling whatsoever right that's that, that's that's really boring yeah. that's going to lead to a high bounce rate and so if you can actually talk to the person behind the screen uh and talk about their before state and the pains they have and the emotions they're feeling uh and then talk them through where they'd like to get to with your product and, and the emotions that they're going to have there and how their relationships might be different uh and then you know bust their objections and actually talk to that person uh, that's again going to lead to your offer being different and your website being different and them having a different feeling when they talk to you versus when they talk to your competitors. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. How you talk about, I mean, just because you've got somebody else's products on your site, like you, you know, another brand, your suppliers products doesn't mean you still can't do a job of actually selling those products to people. Right. They're not just selling themselves. And so that's often an opportunity is like how you talk about the product, how you connect with your customer on it. I mean, a lot of your competitors may just have the stock standard descriptions on their site, you know, or very little description on their site, very little sort of persuasion stuff around why that product is a great product for the customer, given what the customer needs. And so that's a, like a really great way you employ a bit of copywriting, um, you know, that can make, Definitely make a big difference. Another easy one that I'm seeing on our sheet here is like, answer your phone. Uh, I, I know I sent it to voicemail when I first started. Number one, I didn't know anything about 3D printers. So I, I wasn't about to answer and stumble. Uh, and I was just unsure of myself and like it was my first business. Uh, but ever since mm. that business, uh, I've answered the phone or we paid someone to answer the phone. It, it, it makes a massive difference. Uh, simply answering your phone and just being being available, like be answering your live chat, uh, returning your, your abandoned carts calls and, and solving their problems so that you can bust their objections on, the, you know, in a more efficient manner uh the next time like answer your phone i don't i don't even know how to say this one other than i literally wrote answer your fucking phone yeah it's so simple i was i was actually stunned i was telling i was telling you before the call like i spoke to a student of mine on a coaching call the other day and they were telling me like they, they'd been asking customers you know as, as part of their customer service like what why did you decide to you know, to, to pick up the phone and talk to us and, and buy from us. And they had customers saying, because you were the only person we called that picked up the phone. Like this is 2021. And that's still a reason why people are purchasing from some businesses. It's such a simple, simple thing, right? Um, 
And that's, I'm not saying that's going to be the case for everybody. That's that simple. But for some people, it's, it's still those little things are what's bringing customers over the line. Just going that extra, putting in that extra 5% effort than, you know, your competitors might be doing is just enough to get people over the line. Um, and so, yeah, just being mindful and being as proactive as you can with your sort of pre-purchased customer service. Um, going that little extra step, you know, I mean, if somebody answers a question that they that they need answered to make a purchase, doing a bit of research and giving them a really thoughtful, well set out answer, um, rather than just giving them a really short, you know, like some people get, oh, not another customer service, I'm just going to treat them like an idiot, sort of thing, like just going that extra little mile for your customers whenever you can. I think there's still a lot of lazy e-commerce businesses out there when it comes to service um, that you might be competing against. And so if you're not that person, then um, once again, I think you'll pick up, pick up sales that, that you might, uh, that other people might not get for that reason. But well, it is you- tough in the beginning. Like if you if you're still working a full-time job, like let's not pretend that, I mean, there's some, there are some difficulties around that. So you, you're just going to do the best you can. And then, you know, if, if you can't get out of your job and you can't clean up that time, then you've got to get it outsourced to somebody who can at least be the front line um, to make sure the phone is getting picked up. You know what I mean? Look, I think a lot of this stuff is things you can aspire to, right? Like nobody's suggesting that you should have all of this out of the gates before you ever like no. try to run traffic. And, and But it, it is things you should aspire to. And often I would assume you feel stuck. What do I do now? I don't know what to do. Well, we just gave you a whole bunch of stuff to do you know, in your back end, on your front end uh, that I think can really change your business. And, and like here's like I want to move to more like the acquisition stuff I, I don't know I I have a lot more fun talking about traffic than I do talking about uh you know like risk reversal and things like that I, obviously uh John's very passionate about it which is great this is why we make a good combo but like for me it's the marketing like how can you be different in your marketing um John dropship breakthrough likely teaches people to be a parasite on AdWords um uh, that's what that's what i learned as well like it, it's actually kind of fun in high ticket drop shipping how easy uh one channel can be which is adwords google shopping bing shopping uh because you're simply writing someone else's marketing you're writing someone else's brand name and setting up the ads if you set up the three-tier funnel um it's pretty simple but like what is your competition not doing what acquisition channels are they not using and that's where i I don't i I start to geek out on some of this stuff john is there anything on this list that like really stands out to you on a a marketing front of how to be different uh yeah look for once again um it it does uh vary a little bit but for 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 what i see with high ticket drop shipping and higher ticket products um for a lot of markets, um, it's uh, content marketing, right? So, um, and, and having new, fresh, up-to-date content that serves your customers um, and, and obviously not only serves your customers, but it's also going to get you organic traffic as well if, you do it, if you're doing it right. Um, that, that's a big one for me. And content marketing for me is great because of its versatility, right? So, it's literally the most versatile marketing strategy you can have, right? So your content marketing, you're producing content of some sort, whether that's blog content or YouTube videos or, or whatever, right? You're producing content that's valuable and, and helpful to people. So you've got that. It's going to help you get traffic. 
like I said, like it's like if we talk about just the traditional, you're, you're putting out written content. It's getting posted on a on pages on your site, right? That's going to rank organically. Once again, if you're doing that, if you're doing that in the right way, um, you can use it to get backlinks. You can use it to do email marketing more effectively. You can do, use it to do retargeting. You can use it to engage people on social media. You can use it to engage people in forums. Um, like you can you can use it to um, you know help you uh, get onto like in get yourself in front of other people's audiences. Uh, like it's so versatile. One piece of content can help you do all of those different things, right? And so if you're doing it even, I mean, in Dropship Breakthrough, we, we talk about all, all you need, like doing two pieces of content a month, which is not much, right? But two quality pieces of content a month and all the different ways that you can use that if you're proactive about it. And it's massive. Like it's, it's literally the only thing that I can think of that you can do, you can produce one thing and use it in so many different ways to get traffic, but also to, to improve your conversion rate on your site right? Um, and, and help people move through from the top of the funnel to the bottom of the funnel. Because you're right. I mean, if you're just on AdWords, right, you're most likely going to be converting people who are already at the bottom of the funnel, but you're ignoring the whole top top of the funnel, which is where 90% of any market is at any one point in time. So how, how do you, what's the best way to engage with those people? Well, I think usually it's content, right? Because people who are at the top of the funnel, they want information, they want education, they're still learning, about the solutions to their problems or their problem in the first place. And so the way you, you don't do that by engaging them with product pages, right? That's entirely the wrong approach, which is why Google shopping doesn't work at the top of the funnel very well, right? Because it's the wrong, it's the wrong context. Um, but yeah, content marketing for me is probably if I looked on average, the biggest opportunity that people have. Now, there are some high-ticket dropshipping markets where the competition is doing fantastically well with content already, but it's, it's honestly, it's a rarity. Yeah, this is where I would set myself apart too, John. I think like, and I can hear people asking, oh, great, where do I start? Um, the, the simple yeah. answer for me is like, and, I, and I'm doing this in real time. So I went to answerthepublic.com. I put in pellet grill. So just really put yourself in the shoes of somebody who is sitting outside a bonfire with their buddies and they're talking about a pellet grill or he just saw a commercial and he was like what the fuck is a pellet grill right they might go to google and search pellet grill and they're probably not going to find anything this is why you don't run ads for the term pellet grill until you have the rest of this set up because somebody's going to come and go oh cool that's a pellet grill click on your ad and leave right uh you need to like where are they going to go next so i like to ask like what questions are they asking before finding uh your products, uh, what problems do they have? What are their worst fears? Uh, and really you can just go to answer the public and type it in. So I went there, I typed in pellet grill and like, here's all the questions that are being asked on Google that I think I could answer. Are pellet grill pellets safe? Uh, are pellet grills toxic? Uh, can you use a pellet grill in the rain? Um, uh, can you grill on a pellet smoker? How do pellet grills actually work? What pellets should I buy? Uh, <laughs> yeah literally just like scrolling through here and finding which pellet grill has the most smoke. Uh, what is the best quality pellet grill? Um, there, there's all kinds of questions in here that, that your customer 
is going to ask along their journey. And so again, if you fall back to what we were taught, you know, John and I in a different course and uh, what is the best way to get started? No question. It's the best way to get started is to attack bottom of the funnel things uh, and really go after, you know, a brand name, product name and target that keyword on AdWords. But like, that's only going to take you so far. And that's really excluding likely uh, 99 people who come to your website and raise their hand and say they're interested and, and leave because you're just, you're, you're not answering their questions. You're not helping them along their journey. And so I, I look, some niches are uh, obscure and it's hard to find this data. Uh, but the data is all out there for every single market. And, and you just simply need to go out there and, and grab your customer by the hand and walk them through all of these questions and, and all of the objections they may have. Yeah. Oh, that, that, and that's an excellent example. Like, and, 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 and those questions that you just listed off about the pellet grills, like that's, the, that's where people start at the top of the funnel, right? That's a great example. Before those people are ever going to buy a pellet grill, they must have those questions answered. Like a question like, are, are pellets toxic? Like that person is not buying a pellet grill with that question in their mind until that is answered for them definitively. And then the answer, of course, being no, they're not. I'm assuming, then they can go, oh yeah, awesome, great. Wow, that sounds like a good idea. I'm gonna go buy one of those things. So if you're the person that's answering those questions first in your market for people who have them and nobody else is really putting any effort into that, then who do you think those people are gonna buy from or most likely to buy from when they hit the bottom of the funnel, right? When they're ready to purchase, when they're ready to purchase a particular product, it's gonna be you, not your competition. So on the flip side, if you're not the person who's answering those questions in your market and you're just scrounging around at the bottom of the funnel with your ads, then guess who people are less likely to buy from? You, because they've already had interactions at the top with whoever's answering those questions for them. And they're most likely then to go back to that person if they can to buy a product because there's already a level of trust being built there um the beauty the beauty of this website is it just it goes in order for you those were all top of the funnel i scroll down and it leads me to prepositions so once somebody understands what a pellet grill is and all the questions they have then they start saying uh pellet grills for sale that's likely your generic collection name uh pellet grills for camping pellet grills for beginners uh pellet grill for your outdoor kitchen now they're starting to understand like use cases and where they might want this um and, and they just start moving further down the funnel and like different things they can cook on a pellet grill then they kind of move to comparisons right and you're probably going to find terms such as pellet grill versus charcoal pellet grill versus kamado pellet grill versus gas grill uh then you're like literally this website has given me every single piece of content i should ever write for my website that just moves people from the top of the funnel to the middle to the bottom uh and then i can set up email sequences behind here depending on what page they landed on and send them through the rest of the journey uh and you have a built-in sales machine uh flywheel that's just going to keep spinning for you and so i'm actually glad i typed this in today because there's a zillion examples right here of like how to set up a pellet grill website yeah and that's literally yeah i mean you just rattled off like six months worth of content right easy at least six months maybe more um and yeah it's awesome that's that's totally it like i literally think that's that's one of the biggest for a high ticket dropship is that this is one of the biggest things they can do in their business um just you know aside from other marketing ideas and, and of course there are other ones out there but this is like the 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 as far as i see it for most people the big untapped um base for them to be in 
yeah, I don't think anyone's focusing on the customer journey whatsoever. Uh, at least from what I've seen in in the many many people that I've consulted with, or or the courses that that you and I have taken, John. I don't think anybody's really focused on it. I think everyone's focused on step one, and then they go, oh, "Shit, I don't even know what step two is. How do I do step one harder?" And then like like that's not like the answer, right? Uh, you you, you got to start thinking about how to how to present a different offer. And then for me, it's all about the marketing, right? And we didn't even touch on some of the other stuff. Like here's a great example. I, I have a friend, uh, his name is Jared, and he has a website uh, that is very difficult to advertise for and the margins are slim. And so he was just like, the only way he could go make profitable sales was hopping in Facebook groups. Um, and he answers everyone's questions in every Facebook group in this market, whether like he's not even owner of any of these groups, he's just in there constantly hustling. And they do like 30K a month on just him hustling through Facebook groups. Um, no one, no one is doing that. Right. And, and, you know, perhaps some of you are saying my time's not worth that. Well, 30 K a month is, is great. Uh, that's great money for someone hustling. And it's certainly something you can hire as well, as long as you can find an expertise, but that's just one other example. Like I want people to start thinking beyond Edwards and Bing on like how they can be different in their marketing. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally. And, and look, I mean, even like Facebook group hustling is, as you call it, like, I mean, yeah, it, it takes up, a, it doesn't, I don't even think it necessarily takes up that much time. Like literally, you know, I mean, if, if you could do it every day, I mean, that would be probably great just to touch base. But even in doing that, I mean, if, if you need to get, a, look at it as, as ways of finding other advantages for yourself, aside from just making sales, like if you're earlier in your, in, in your experience in your market, you're learning a crap ton from doing that, right? You're just learning so much and being in those Facebook groups once again and seeing the questions that people are answering, uh, asking, sorry, and their, their sticking points and things like that, that's giving you more great ideas for your content marketing, right? It feeds back into that, you know, because if people are in Facebook groups asking those questions, then, you know, people who could be your customers when they get to your website are asking those questions as well. Or there might be people out there on Google who are typing those questions into Google and not into Facebook. Like, you know, there's there's tons of value to doing that sort of stuff. Um, just just besides the fact that you might you're going to pull some sales out of it as well. I'll throw one more real quick one on the end, only because I'm making it for you right now. So I've, uh, John asked me <laughs> to make a private labeling course, um, like a section to dropship breakthrough, uh, and so there's two, two examples I'm using in there of like how you can use. Uh, smaller items to for you to like top of the funnel to bring in customers to your high ticket store and so one of the examples was one I, I worked with um, a protein powder company I worked with and, and we started exploring options for this I'm not sure if they even move forward with it if I'm honest with you but one of the options we explored was like uh, the protein powder funnels. It kind of looks like you saw it off the top of a Mountain Dew bottle. Uh, there's just enough room for protein powder and a screw on cap and it has a carabiner on there. Uh, and they sold decently well on Amazon. And I was like, why, you know, can you break even on this product, be the best seller on Amazon and inside each one, fill it with your protein powders or send up a, a packet with every single one that you send out in, in order to acquire more, uh, customers. Uh, the other one would be, uh, a wine cooler product is what I'm using here. So imagine you're selling wine coolers. Um, likely, uh, those people are already drinking wine. And so what if you sold like a neoprene holder for, for wine bottles? Like if people are transporting them between their houses, um, this, this is a perfect like 
thing to put it in to either keep it cool or uh, you know it doesn't break in the back of your vehicle it's it's a pretty simple item it retails at like 11.99 i found them for like a buck uh, upwards of five bucks, anywhere in between there, uh, depending on the quality you want. And uh, you can break even on this product to go acquire uh, wine customers to then send them back to your store to see if they need wine furniture or credenzas or wine coolers or, or whatever you're selling on your, on your, you know, your full wine store. And so those are just two examples that are top of mind for me because I was literally like outlining that course today. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And it flips backwards and forwards. You know, earlier we talked about, um, you know, I mean, you, you can use that to acquire people at break even, um, but you can also then use that product as, you know, your added value to people who come in cold and buy a high ticket product from you. Um, similarly, I mean, if you had a digital product, you could sell the digital product by itself as a break even thing. Like you got a digital as a way, like you could go and market that by itself mm. as a way to, then once people buy that digital product, like sell a digital product for $19 or something, right? Everybody who buys that, you can then market. You know they're in your market because the digital products related to your high ticket products. You can then market them. Everyone who comes in, you don't have to make any money on it because you're going to market them on your high ticket products. Yeah, Corey um, and I did that for a site we worked on together, Corey Eckert. Um, we built a, like the ultimate guide to buying X and then put that on Amazon as an ebook. Uh, ranked it for that term, like the the generic term. So we were on page one for that generic term. Not many were sold on Amazon, to be fair. Uh, but we got the book there at like two ninety nine. Uh, and so we would make whatever a buck fifty or whatever Amazon pays you for your Kindle book. Uh, and then inside there was like the ultimate guide to everything you needed to know about this market and this specific product. Uh, and then we would you know t- talk all about it, put our own unique photos in there, make our recommendations, and of course send them back to our website through mm. that Kindle book. Uh, mm-hmm. to purchase mm-hmm. if they were ready. Yep. Yeah, totally. That's it. Well, awesome. you know me, I yeah. could geek out on ideas like that forever. So uh, <laughs> if people want to expose their store, uh, I'm sure John and I would happily riff on ideas for you. Um, in fact, that sounds like a fantastic episode if you ever want to do that. Anybody listening who wants to volunteer, let us know. Um, that's it, man. Uh, there's, uh, I, 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 I didn't know where you were going with that video, John, if I'm honest with you. And so anybody who watched it and said, yeah, cool. John says be different, but what does that actually mean? I hope this explained it because I know I watched it and I went, yeah, like it seemed high level. And I was like, let's break this down. Um, and we needed a topic today anyway. So it worked out. Yeah. 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 And look, I mean, it is something you can go super deep on as well. I mean, literally I've recorded videos on this stuff that for four or five hours worth of videos. <laughs> No, I think the video you're looking at was uh, intentionally meant to be high level because uh, it's it's just something you could we could both talk on about for for ages, um, and uh, I already have. So uh, yeah, it's a bit too deep a con- uh, topic to just be posting up in a Facebook group. Yeah, I think that was a great discussion. And and literally, if you've been listening, you know, think about all the things we've talked about today in in this episode. Like, think about how this all relates back to your business and what you're doing and go out and start exploring where your opportunities lie, whether it's with your marketing and and your marketing opportunities, whether it's with how you're doing your customer service, whether it's your offer, just go and find those opportunities and start taking action on them. Because literally taking action on this stuff and finding those opportunities and exploiting them can be literally 
like business changing for your business and, and for you it could be life changing like this these things could be the difference between you making five figures a month and making six figures a month in your business so get out there uh get amongst it and as always thanks for listening and uh we'll be back at you again next week bye